Hey, everybody. You know how I've spent the last year talking to other people about their crowdfunding campaigns? Well, I'm putting my money where my mouth is, and we're doing a hardcover print offset book for the magazine. You can find out more details about our Kickstarter campaign by going to the-magazine.org slash book, or go to kickstarter.com and search for The Magazine, The Book. Welcome to The New Disruptors, a podcast that has a song in its heart, and that song is Top of the World. I'm your host, Glenn Fleischman, the editor and publisher of the magazine. The New Disruptors is a proud part of Boing Boing's family of podcasts. Find us at boingboing.net or at our own home at newdisrupt.org. Since January 2009, Jonathan Mann has posted a song every day. Not five days a week, seven days a week. There is no rest for the wickedly productive. But he's willing to take a little time to talk about how he works. Welcome to the podcast, Jonathan. Thanks, Glenn. That's um that's a pretty remarkable track record. What's your your total is over seventeen hundred now, is that right? Yeah, I think today will be seventeen seventy eight. That's good. So people can tell when we recorded by the uh <laughs> yeah, by, by the, the by the timestamp, yeah, the the song stamp. So, you know, uh, as the famous song goes, everybody's got to have a gimmick. And, uh, you know, my gimmick used to be Wi-Fi. Um, your, <laughs> you, your gimmick is – there's that combination of, of talent and gimmick is people know you because of the song a day thing. But you're writing and producing a song, you know, that goes up once a day. How did you come to this idea <laughs> and, <laughs> and say, this, this is my plan. This is my plan to launch my career. I like I like how you I like that you used the word gimmick because like gimmick can have such a negative thing to it, but like you know I often say shtick, you know, sort of mm-hmm. same same sort of thing. And and but I I think that it 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 sure it has like something negative to it, but it also you it's so true. You do have to have like something, and th- and that definitely like was part of it. I was like, well, you know, I can do this, so this this should be the thing that I sort of embrace. Like the the short answer of of how I came to it is actually there's a project called Fun a Day, which happens every January, where artists from all over the world make one thing every day in the month of January, and then in February there's like group art shows where everybody sort of shares what they made, and I participated in this in 2009, did it for a month, and f- just for various reasons, like one of the a couple of the songs got posted at Boing Boing, which was like super exciting for me at that point, and. I just decided to keep going because it, it, it sort of fit my it fit my aesthetic and it sort of just fit my my workflow really well. Um, you must be really productive, though. That's the only thing I can think is like it's I mean, I know I know it's easier to produce a song than it ever was before. And you've got a studio set up and so forth. But that, that still doesn't take away the actual act of creation. You've got to have some kind of vibe going on where you can just sit down and produce stuff. It seems like. Well, for me, like I, what I, I've obviously like thought about this stuff a lot, and you know, at a certain point, it is just like sitting down and doing it. Um, and some days, like like I'm moving, I'm currently in the process of moving, and so I've been doing a lot of packing, which is super exhausting. And so at the end of like a long day of packing, like on Saturday, I I hadn't done my song yet, and I was super 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 exhausted. So I literally like sat down, I wrote out some words without like with minimal thought i was just like i mean i wrote the song about the fact that i was packing so you know it was like just right there you can see that i was kind of lazy but 
I just sort of wrote it out and I set up my camera and I sang into the camera and that was it. Um, and then other days, like today, I decided to write a song for Laughing Squid's 18th birthday. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, and so, you know, for the last like couple hours, I've been down in the studio, like right before we're recording this, you know, working on the song and trying to make it, you know, trying to make it good and sound good for, for Scott and for Laughing Squid and stuff. So just like every day just sort of depends on how much time I have and what's going on. But there's something really nice about just like knowing that this is like the one thing that I'm going to do every single day. If I do nothing else, if I don't manage to brush my teeth or like do anything, like I know that I'm going to write a song. And it makes me, it sort of, it sort of gives me this sort of level. It, it, it's like a very calming thing for me, just like to know that, I ha- that I'm going to be doing that. You know, for some people that would be completely paralyzing though. Like if they thought they had to produce a song a day, they would possibly never do anything the rest of their life. Right. So clearly that's not your personality. But but uh, I you know, when I was studying um graphic design, I thought one of the things that I got taught was the idea that inspiration doesn't always come and when you don't have inspiration, you know how to work and do things competently. So you just you sit down and you work anyway. Do you come from that place where you uh, you don't always have the you know what you think is the best idea that you've ever had, or or even a great idea. But you sit down and you just work. Yeah, absolutely. My, my I mean, I I absolutely believe in that, and I love that philosophy, which is like screw inspiration. It's just work. You know, like so much of it is literally just sitting down and doing it. And um, I've often found, and it's it's really weird with song a day. I found that that um, in fact, actually, yesterday I I would say is a great example of this. Like inspiration and and process can yield the same results so like like if you're really inspired and you sit down and make something and it just sort of flows out of you and it comes out and it's this beautiful thing you you end up with this really great thing that you just made um but then also sometimes like yesterday i was feeling so overwhelmed by everything that's going on in my life with the packing and the moving and all kinds of other stuff and i and i was just like it was like pulling teeth making the song that I made yesterday, but it came out so good. Like I was so mm. happy with the song that I made yesterday. It may as well have come from inspiration. Like I don't think that anyone would listen to it and think, wow, that, that sounds, it's like, sounds like a, such a good song. Where did that come from? It did not come from inspiration. It came from process. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. it's like sometimes you get to the same result and, and you, you don't know, you just don't know. You don't know what's going to happen when you sit down and make something. So you may as well just give it a shot, I guess. Oh, I love that. Well, there's also that issue of, uh, you know, not knowing what's going to ignite too, is if you make one thing, I, I was just reading about the, was this fellow just sold a novel for $2 million? It got an oh advance. Oh my God. Yeah. It's crazy. It's a bidding war among major publishers and Knopf picked it up. And, you know, some part, and he's been working on it for, I think, four years, which oh is, for a novel is not necessarily a long time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know, I know some novelists who they work on stuff for long periods of time and they never know. Uh, that's that's a particular form of art. They never know it's going to ha- happen. And like I'm a as a journalist, I'm always I have to produce all the time. I'm only as good as the last thing I got out there because that's what I get paid for or publications right. I put out. And it seems like you, the songwriting is usually considered. I think it's put in that realm of like you need to put a lot. You know, this album is going to take a year of your life and consume you, and you go in the studio, and then it's this marketing thing. But you're in this whole different cycle that you made a challenge to yourself to produce and you do produce every day. It seems like a very different kind of musical 
career than what most people go through because they, most people have to they're, – they're saving up all that work in order for what they hope will be either an artistic or commercial success or both and will let them keep doing their work or retire to Florida or whatever they want to do. <laughs> to Bahamas may be better. Uh, but but you're – by doing this, it feels like you're creating this larger corpus of work and so you have – more chance that something within it is going to spark an interest as opposed to having to pin your hopes on 11 songs or 10 songs. And I mean, that was very conscious. Like at a certain point, I mean, I've been producing video on the internet for sort of since the beginning of YouTube, certainly. And I found very much that like, I never knew what was going to, what was going to, I never knew two things. I never knew like what was going to be good, like what I was going to be happy with. And I also never knew what was going to catch on. Um, I could put so much time and effort into something and it could go nowhere and I could make something totally on a lark and it would be huge and I would be really, and it would come out really well and I'd be happy with it. Um, and that's, that's just like, it has been played out so many times with song a day, like over and over and over again, the things that I just sort of think there's no way, like this is, I'm just making this and it's a crappy song and it's sort of silly and dumb and, and then and then, you know, it gets picked up and it becomes huge or something. Well, I think, yeah, like your famous example is the Antenna Gate song, which was, you know, kind of a lark about how Apple was getting criticism for people. And then um, you had this crazy thing happen, right? Around when uh, Antenna Gate became a big thing, Apple scheduled a press conference. What what happened with that song? So it was, the, yeah, it was the day before Apple scheduled their big Antenna Gate press conference, which was like their first defensive press conference. And I think maybe only that they ever did, Steve Jobs must have just said, okay, well, this has gotten out of hand. We have to do something. And um, and so it was the night before, and I had actually – I was making my living at that point by entering video contests. Oh, my God. Wait, now let's, like, let's sidebar and tell okay, me about that. Si- this, is, so what, this is 2010, 2010 – 2011. Yeah, 2010. 2010 yeah. So there are enough video contests – now, see, I have a friend, Lex Friedman, who you may or may not know, who's uh, he's the who uh, now is at the mid roll. He sells the sponsorships for this podcast and has his right. own podcast. And uh, Lex is an inveterate enterer of contests, ah. often with <laughs> low or no dollar value. But um, I think he won an Ask Me Another song contest, and Paul and Storm sang one of his songs, so that was oh, his wow. reward. But oh, wow. so, so tell me about the money side. So there, <laughs> there are enough video contests going on. This made sense. This is wild. Absolutely. I mean, this was 2010 it's it's only grown since then my friend justin johnson started a website called online video contest.com oh my god okay and um so you know and i didn't know him at this point i just found the website and i would go on there and i would sort it by the due date and i would sort it by the three things you want are due date the price like how much is the contest worth and then is it a judging contest or is it a voting contest and the ones that I always want to enter were were high high purse, you know, judging. So there's no like internet, there's no like worrying about getting votes, and that the due date was relatively soon. And so I would go through, find a bunch of those. I would enter like 14 contests in 14 days, just use just like devoting all oh of my, my song a day energy into this, and I would win like two or three of them. And that would, and then that would like keep me afloat. And it was it was literally a numbers game. It was the same idea. It was like I don't know what's going to work. I don't know what's going to hit. What's not. I don't know what mood the judges are going to be. And there's so many variables. But I figured if I just entered enough of them, I would win enough of them to like keep it going. I see. And this fit into the discipline of what you're doing with song a day because your song a day you would customize 
the video you're doing for a particular day to meet the requirements of the contest? Exactly. I would just like oh. say so so a good example actually which leads <laughs> into the we can we can work our way back to the Apple to Absolutely. the Antenagate thing which is um this is sort of silly. So so yeah. so Microsoft had a Bing this is right around when Bing, well, I don't know. It was a while I guess a little while after Bing had had come out. <laughs> they had a jingle contest. They were calling it the Bingle contest. And um, it, you make a video and a jingle for Bing, and and the prize was very small. I don't really remember exactly why I entered it. The prize was a five hundred dollar American Express gift card, and so I entered with this song called "Bing Goes the Internet." It was just really. It ended up being ridiculously catchy. Just like Bing, Bing. Bing goes the internet, bing, bing, <laughs> bing goes the internet. And and um, I ended up winning for some god-awful reason. <laughs> I ended up winning this video contest. The video was awful. The song yeah. was catchy as, as as all get out. So they chose this. And then, of course, M.G. Siegler, who was you know, the biggest writer on TechCrunch at that point, um, wrote a blog post about it, calling it the worst jingle ever. Bing, bing, bing. If you're looking to learn how to dance like me, Bing goes the internet. If you want to find some pants like me, Bing goes the internet. He, the, the headline was, Microsoft has succeeded in finding the worst jingle ever. <laughs> Classic M.G. Siegler, if anybody knows him. And so the next yes. day after he posted that, I ended up writing him a song, basically using... Hit the stuff that he said about me in his blog post to sort of sort of take him down, and I made some I made some like some uh, off color remarks about him and Michael Arrington, and um, that ended up this whole then there's this this whole weird feud that happened between me and TechCrunch, like a <laughs> like a funny weird feud where back and forth like I was writing songs about them and yeah. they would post them, and M G Siegler and I ended up becoming like internet friends, and I found out later that actually. Michael Arrington used my M.G. Siegler song as his ringtone. Oh for my a time. god, that's so perfect, um, though. So, but then after after a while, like every time I would post, I would make a song about something tech related, especially Apple related. Like I would send it to M.G. and he would post it. So I had just lost this video contest, a Klondike bar video contest <laughs> that I was somewhat invested in because I I had put a lot of time and effort into the video and the song, and I thought it was had a chance. And I lost. And so I was feeling kind of down in the dumps. And it was a night before Apple's press conference. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to write this song about the press conference and send it to MG. And maybe, you know, maybe it'll get a little play on, on TechCrunch, you know, or whatever. So I wrote the song. Um, just another day, just another day writing another song. I went to bed and I woke up and there was an email from Apple PR in my inbox. <laughs> and I looked at it and I read it. And it was like, can we use your song at the keynote at the thing today? And I was like, it was pretty early in the morning, and I and I was just like, I, I didn't believe it. I didn't really believe that that was. I was just like, right. somebody's trolling me. Like this is like more TechCrunch feud trolling or something. So I ignored it, and then somehow I don't even know how they got a hold of my phone number. Like this PR guy, it's Apple. Got a, they could do anything. yeah, they they can do whatever they want. So he calls me, and he's like, No, seriously, we're about to go on stage, and we really need the video. We really want to show it. We want to open this press conference with your video. 
and I'm like, and I'm like freaking out at this point because it's amazing. Hey, I've got an idea. Let's all sing this song. It goes if you don't want an iPhone 4. Don't buy it. If you bought one and you don't like it. Bring it back. If you don't want an iPhone 4. Don't buy it. If you bought one and you don't like it. Bring it back. Everybody don't want an iPhone 4. And so they end up using, they ended up actually just using it from YouTube. But then Steve Jobs, they, they play it and then Steve Jobs comes out on stage and says, we found that on YouTube this morning. We couldn't help but want to share it. That's so great. That's hilarious. And it was just like – it was just like – because I'm a huge Steve Jobs. I mean, you know, like he's like my one of my heroes. And so it was just like – you know, to even just be acknowledged by him in that way was just absolutely mind-bendingly amazing. And you you ended Antenna Gate. That video <laughs> yeah. caused Apple to no longer have to worry about it. It's funny how that whole issue just went away. But it just yeah. disappeared, yeah. But but there you go. So that's the, I mean that's that thing is like when you have seventeen hundred songs and you know you people can go to your site jonathanman.net, which I'll have linked in the show notes and uh, and you can see you know you've been on uh, Anderson Cooper, people you've been picked up in different shows. Rachel uh, Maddow had mm-hmm. you on. I mean it's it's and I should point out this is what's funny. We got this far in the interview and I should say you know your music is great. It's not <laughs> like you're making terrible songs every day. <laughs> it's not bloody mindedness. Sometimes I have to. It's funny. I I do get this from folks. Sometimes we talk about the podcast. Is that uh, that you have to have some kind of talent? But um, you and I were talking about this actually in in person. We weirdly enough, we actually have met now in person. It's a very st- strange thing since I record most of my interviews remotely. And uh, the, the, there is a some proportion of what one does has to do with talent. Some of it maybe is bloody mindedness and some of it is perseverance. It's like you've done 1,700 songs. If you were terrible, you probably would never have gotten this far because you either <laughs> would have been told you were terrible so many times or just given up. And some people will still go then, even at that point. But sure, I think sure. it seems like you've had external validation that what you're doing resonates with people. Yeah, definitely. You know, and 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 – the external validation always only goes so far, right? Like you do have to have a certain amount inside of you belief in yourself, which 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 often I think for any artist is, can be the most difficult thing. And I I certainly I certainly still struggle with that. But definitely like getting getting validation from the outside is 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 like can is is a really powerful thing. Actually, you know, it's super powerful. Well, and that's one thing that YouTube can deliver. I realize it can't necessarily deliver money, but it can deliver validation. Is is uh, you know Jack Conti talks about um, with Pomplamoose that um, I'll put a link up to his XOXO talk in which he yeah. mentioned this. It's like he and um, uh, Natalie did not intend to be. Uh, they weren't actually trying to be a group together. It was an accident. They did one song right. where he was backing her, and they got a ridiculous amount of traffic. They're like, huh. Well, let's try this for a while. And, you know, he has a really interesting path they went through um, because it's so hard to make money on YouTube by itself and kind of where they wound up and being sort of almost um, immobilized by success that they had yeah, so yeah. much Yeah, yeah. They went it. through a period there. I mean that it's – that I I remember thinking like where would they go because they, they definitely like went through a period where it's like what, what do we do? What do we do next? And I – and when they came back, I actually really appreciated hearing about their struggle with like, yeah. like what do we do now? You know, like – um, that was really valuable to me. It's and so there's that weird thing that if you get successful, but it's not in a way that's necessarily productive. Like they didn't, you know, they couldn't. You can't translate a you know 10 million YouTube views into being able to set up an operation and have a staff and set up a recording studio. I mean, they had recording studios, but you, you can't in their homes. But they uh, 
uh, it doesn't necessarily put you in a position where you're financially uh, well off enough to go and do the things that you need to do when you start to scale. So you have the problem that you're getting a lot of attention, but you don't have the money to necessarily take advantage of all that attention. Right. Which is a weird place to be. Usually the two things go together. You know, if you sold a million albums, even with right. record company accounting, you would still make some money, usually. <laughs> if you're lucky, Hopefully. I shouldn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> but if yeah, you get a million well, page always, views. But yeah, totally. Yeah. But you get a million page views on YouTube and you don't necessarily see it. So how did you – I mean you t- the video contest thing I think is hilarious and it makes <laughs> total sense in the context of what you're already doing. But how do you make a li- – so, you know, young man, from this you make a living? How <laughs> – From this – Young, young man, how do yeah. you make a living from a song a day? Which parts of what you do contribute to, like you know, I mean, where you have attention, where you have YouTube views, where mm-hmm. you get things even commissioned? How does this work together for you as a career? I mean, the it's sort of I've sort of the main thing actually where I make a living right now is sort of a really strange niche thing that I've almost sort of created for myself, which is as a result of of performing at TED Med. Um, which is sort of the medical version of the TED conferences, I've sort of fallen into this this world of like playing, like making up songs sort of on the spot for um, conferences, for like conferences and company meetings and things of this sort. And that's actually where a, lo- a large bulk of my income comes from. And it's a really interesting experience, actually. So I'll go to a conference and I'll watch talks and I'll talk to people you know, mingle and stuff. And then I will write a song about my experience or what was said or the kind of people that are there. Um, And I get to play this song in front of these people that like this song that I just wrote only works in this room. Like it won't work anywhere else in the world. Like the only, like the 300 people that are here are the only people that could ever possibly appreciate the thing that I just made. Um, but people love that, right? Because they oh, love, totally. they it's love so, something that's about them. And it's so, yeah, it's very, it's very in jokey and it's, yeah. And so I, I really like that experience. It's a very strange thing, but I've, I've, I've come to really, really, really like doing it. And so that's like one of the main things that I do. And then, and then I get commissions, you know, people often when one of the side effects of things going viral when they do is that, you know, people then find me and, and ask me to write songs for them, be it, you know, larger companies or sp- startups or whoever. And that's another um, avenue. So you, so the song a day at some level is a continued advertisement for your services that you're still there. You're producing, you're productive, you deliver. It's, it's all the things someone wants in a model employee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have to think of it that way. It's like an advertisement for me just in general. Like if you like my music, here it is. Here's me doing it. You know, if you want a song for something, like I can do that. That's, that's definitely a, that's definitely a big chunk of it. Let's take a break from Mr. Song-A-Day so I can tell you about Mr. Publication Every Other Week. So you may know that I'm the editor and publisher and the owner of The Magazine, a fortnightly electronic periodical that produces about five medium-length articles in each issue. So we just passed a year in operation in October, and to celebrate it, we've launched a Kickstarter to fund the print production of a hardcover book beautifully designed, about 200 pages in length, that draws from that first year. It includes over two dozen articles that people told us they found the most interesting, quirky, 
funniest, moving, just whatever made people react in a way that let us feel like this would persist in print. There'll also be an ebook edition, of course, and it will be without digital rights management, so you can use it on any device. You won't be locked into a Kindle or Nook or any particular piece of software. I chose to go the crowdfunding route because printing is quite expensive. The setup costs are really high. So it makes sense to, instead of funding the project first and then figuring out if anyone wants the book, to see if the interest is there. We set a modest goal, and as I record this, we're nearly halfway there with three weeks to go. We need your help to make the book happen, but only if you want to read the great stories that are in there. So I've put a list up of all the stories that will appear. There's links back to the magazine. And you can download a sample as a PDF of what the spreads will look like for some of the stories. The basic reward is $35, which includes the hardcover print book, shipping within the United States, and the DRM-free ebook. If you act quickly, we have an early bird special for people who get in on the early side that's just $30 for that. We've got other bundles that include a subscription to the magazine at a discounted price, a t-shirt by Dylan McConus, the cartoonist who will be a future guest on this show. We also have art prints from Olivia Warnicke and Amy Crehor, terrific painters, and other higher-level rewards. We're also including in this book a feature about Marion Call, the Alaskan singer who does it all for herself and who I interviewed previously on The New Disruptors. She's a great example of what I try to highlight here on this podcast and the kinds of stories we try to tell at the magazine. So a feature about her will be exclusively in the book. So take a look at the-magazine.org slash book or go to kickstarter.com and type in the magazine and you can download a PDF and I'll also have a link to that in the show notes and see more of what I'm talking about. We need your support. This is me putting my money where my mouth is and saying, I think I learned something about crowdfunding. I think I understand what a community wants. And I think this book is full of stories by great authors with art and photographs by great illustrators and photographers that will be worthwhile as a keepsake, something to read, something to give to other people. Thanks for your consideration. The-magazine.org slash book or just go to Kickstarter and look for us. Thanks again. And now back to my conversation with Jonathan. Now, I noticed you did a couple years ago, you did do a Kickstarter when you were hitting about song uh, 1000 and you were looking for a modest amount of money and you raised a bit over the target. Does, cr- does crowdfunding, donation, patronage, song sales, do any of these things have any, have, uh, you know, any substantive impact on you or is it too divorced from what you do to make, uh, to make an impact, to, to try those methods? I mean, definitely like when I put out that album, you know, there was a, there was a bump in in my income and that was helpful um you know i release all of my songs for free on Bandcamp. yeah um all of my song a day songs for free and there definitely like is you know there's a there's a challenge that i face which is like when i'm making every day sometimes it's harder to hone in on things and like and spend a long time spend two three years making just one album which you know, when you make a single thing like that, it's sort of easier to 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 package it and sell it and brand it in a way that, like, hey, you know, pay me money for this or whatever. So that's definitely a, a challenge that I face. But, um, you know, when I, I find that when I do release things, it, you know, it definitely helps when I do release things in that way. But it's not a – it sounds like it's not a substantive part of your income. That's a, that oddly like the thing that most people – who are in the, in the music space, whatever kind of music, song, singer, songwriter, performer types that right. most people are going after. Like, you know, actually, that's a, you know, that was a great lesson again from Jack Conti is that Pomplamoose, they didn't make 
almost anything from YouTube, even though they're incredibly YouTube popular. And this is true of a lot of YouTube artists who get millions or tens of millions of views there. YouTube makes money. Google, you know, there's there's other parts of the ecosystem that make it rather than the, the creator who's bringing the value in, right? But for you, you're not finding your value in uh, in like Pomplamoose was selling songs on iTunes and other places. No, that's where they yeah. got it. That's not the core of what you do and that's sort of fascinating. You kind of inverted it. But you create more music than any 15 other musicians together or, <laughs> yeah. or 50. Uh, so it's it's such a funny – like that's why I like where do, where do you put Jonathan uh, – which cubbyhole can I put you in? And I can't because of <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, it's kind of difficult. You know, that's definitely like – and that's definitely a space that I – that I try to covet is like, I don't want to be able to be boxed in by anything, but it's also difficult, you know, like, like I even found, you know, when I discovered Jonathan Colton, I thought, you know, and this was before I started song a day, I thought, wow, this guy has a lot of songs. You know, I thought I was productive at that point. I, you know, I was, I've always been sort of prolific, but I definitely like when I, when I found him, I remember thinking like, Oh my God, where do I even begin with all this stuff? And of course his website actually really is sort of helpful with that. But that's something that I've always struggled with. I think like the the downside of having so much stuff like the way that I do is that it's sort of difficult for anyone to, who finds me to figure out what to listen to. You know what I mean? Like what's yeah. where where you know and and especially because across all the platforms across YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Bandcamp um, and SoundCloud, which I which I would say are the main ones that I use, it's like in each place. What do I listen to? Where do I go? How do I find the stuff that you think that I should listen to? That's hilarious. You need to curate yourself then. Hey, go curate yourself, man. Very much uh. so. <laughs> I've, I've wanted for so long to create a website. When I do – I speak about Song of Day and when I give, when I give like my little Song of Day spiel, one of the things I end with is I have people pick a random number between one and whatever number I'm on that day. Yeah. And then we look at that song and that's actually a really effective way – to just sort of – because when you when you put it in that context, it doesn't really matter what the song is. It's sort of it's sort of funny or interesting no matter what. So if you just pick like you know 397 or something and you pick that number and we look at what it is and there it is. There's the song that I made on that day and it doesn't really matter. Is it good or bad? It might be – it's always interesting I guess is the point. Um, I want to make a website. I want to make a website that's just – a text box, a little thing at the bottom that says pick a random number between this and this, and then you click, and then there's my song, and then that that's a way that you can sort of like – that's a way to whittle down and sort of discover my, my music. That's great. That's like the old joke about the guys that have been eating together at the deli for so long they don't tell jokes. They just tell numbers and somebody <laughs> yeah. hollers out, you know, 23, everybody laughs. Someone else says 52, someone laughs. And this guy <laughs> says seven, no one laughs. And the other person says never knew how to tell a joke. <laughs> there you can have that you that's can good. you can use that for free that's <laughs> a that's go. a folk joke i think uh but i think i think it could be easy for people who don't know your oeuvre to mistake the production volume with you know a lack of care too and you're oh, just yeah. talking i mean you put time in i i wanted to call out one in particular that i think is it's um that we've got to break up which got a lot oh, of attention yeah. tons of attention it. right yeah which is wild it, <laughs> This one, I don't even want to. I don't want to try to explain it for you. What What was this? Where did this song come from? We've got to break up. Sure, I, I was I was in a a five year long relationship um, with my ex, and you know, funny enough, she was sort of around for for all. She was around for the genesis of Song a Day, and she was around for for all of it up until the point that we broke up. So she was a very integral part, obviously, of my life and very much of my work 
um, sometimes actively singing and appearing in videos, but off, but oftentimes sort of just in the background. In so much as Song of Day has ended up being sort of like a a journal of my life. If you look over all the things, like she's she's kind of there. And so we knew we had to break up. It sort of sort of came, you know, as things do. It came to a head. Like I wanted kids, she didn't. It was one of those things that we knew we weren't going to be able to work through, and. I floated the idea to her. I said, "Hey, listen, what if we what if we broke up? What if we announced because I was like, listen, you know, we have all the same friends. You know how it is when you break up with somebody and you go around and you see everybody and everybody's like, "Oh, how's so and so?" and you're like, "Oh, we broke up." And then it's this awkward thing and you have to explain to everybody what's going on. It's really tiresome. Why don't we And then on the other side actually is on Facebook now you can sort of air your dirty laundry yeah. on fa- and, and and there's the overshare. There's like the overshare of just like of of doing it that way, which serves the same purpose as the song ended up serving, but but for some reason left me very uncomfortable. I was like, I don't wanna I don't wanna go that route out either. I want the convenience, but I don't want the overshare. So it's like let's make a song. It'll be a funny <laughs> song. It'll be, you know, it'll be cute and we'll do a little dance and people will know that we're we're still friends, but like but that we're doing this and they'll understand. And it's just a nice way to do it. That's what at once convenient, interesting, and isn't necessarily an overshare because it's a cool thing that, that people want to see. So we've got to break up. It's the only way. Cause I would resent you. And that's not fair. We still love each other, but the strain is stopped. know at that point uh you know i had been doing this long enough that i thought to myself okay this is like this is a pretty good headline so like maybe maybe it has a chance of getting some attention on top of that and i told her that i was like listen you know this has a chance maybe of of getting some kind of attention and we agreed that that was okay and um you know and then we just posted it and it's actually i think one of the first songs maybe the first song of mine that maybe kind of went truly viral in the sense that it spread via people sharing it versus yeah. versus being on a on a really popular blog somewhere and then people sharing it i i, I you could just watch it on on uh, facebook and twitter the retweets and the shares and that was actually my first real experience with that it's very very powerful to just see people just coming you know just basically saying to us like we're so sorry but this is this is amazing and we love you and all this stuff it was great it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. There aren't that many anthems to relationships that end okay also. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not a thing true. people sing about. And so I think people identify with, you know, this didn't work out, but it doesn't mean, A, we didn't just waste the last five years together. Right. And, and B, we don't hate each other now. Like, right. we, you know, that's – I think that is actually – Probably more common than people, you know. Certainly, than that's not what sells songs. But right, right, you, you, you would, you know, yeah, right, you wouldn't know it by by the by right. the top four. It was okay, and we're broken up now, and I'm <laughs> yeah. fine. But you know, it's yeah. so. But what? So you got at this point 1.4 million views on the song, which by YouTube math means you made fifty three dollars. Right. And, exactly. uh, <laughs> 
but but you got i mean this is uh it's interesting because all artists recycle i think all good artists recycle their lives into art uh and some do it more rapidly as you have to because you need ideas to you know to feed the machine people used to talk about blogging and i always still say i say uh it's my problem with with blogs, even though I have been blogging and still blog, is that it's a hungry maw that needs to be fed. Right, right, absolutely, the, the machine. Yeah, and so, you know, the, when you can come up with something in the middle of feeding this maw of, of your creativity, it's, you know, a, a trap of your, uh, it's a, it's a uh, uh, little shop of horrors of your own making, but you're still, you know, this is your creativity, it's your engine of what you do, and you come up with something in the middle of it that is, really strikes a nerve. It must be rewarding to have people react like that. Yeah, it was, I mean, that was, uh, I would say, uh, like, there were definitely, like, really special things about that song for me, which is, like, another one, I mean, the the sharing thing, but another one is, like, that was actually, I think, the first song that went viral that wasn't topical, that wasn't about, uh, yeah. you know, like, so the other ones before that, you know, it was, like, um, a lot of technology, Apple stuff, a lot of uh, political things, a lot of science-based or video game-based songs, which I love to write, and that's that's all stuff that's important to me, so I love writing about it. But this was a very personal song that went viral, and that and that, you know, that was really special for me. That was a special experience for sure. Well, it's really it's also very brave. I think people recognize that too when you do something <laughs> that's so it's not out there. That's I think that's the neat part about it too is it doesn't you're talking about oversharing and how this you know publicly breaking up to a million people isn't oversharing. But I have to agree with you that it feels it didn't feel over intimate. It felt genuine and and real, but it didn't seem and you put the humor into so you're able to leaven the fact that there's pain going on here too. You guys are breaking <laughs> up, but it did not feel like TMI, right? This it's was a hard line, you know. It's a hard line, and I don't. Really know exactly how to walk it but like you know you just do your i just did my best i was like i didn't just like go with my gut and hopefully hopefully it won't feel like tmi (laughs) (laughs) i i don't think so based on the response i don't think so yeah uh well so you know we were talking about jonathan colton earlier who's previous i'll put a link into podcasts we've done with him uh and he his thing was he started uh before you as you mentioned in 2005 i think he quit his job and he launched it with uh it was a song a week and he wanted to assemble albums sort of so at the end of a year he had um, he did it for a year he had 52 songs i think and then released sort of four albums from it and yep. that formed the cornerstone of his career because he had stuff to sell and it was back when it was harder to sell music it was harder to get attention uh you started in the youtube age and um or you know i should even go back further too which is uh they might be giants they're big um i mean it's, i wouldn't say this is a gimmick for them too because they used to be they might be giants now seems kind of weirdly mainstream like everyone sort of knows who they are i think yeah, partly because of the strange, kids yeah. stuff right. but you know they're uh they started in 1983 and i remember hearing about them in the like late 80s and they were kind of this quirky little weird band that loved their stuff i still do but they had dial a song and you could call up an answering machine uh, attached to a number in brooklyn of course and listen to a song and they changed it regularly but i don't think daily and it went on for it was like 20 something years that they had something going on there off and on so it's not unusual what you do but i think the staying power i can't think of anyone else who's been at it this long you you mentioned um I think we were talking in passing, but uh, there are other people doing a day. You've got a friend who's doing an a day project, a draw, drawing a day? Drawing a day, yeah. Chris Piasek, who actually uh, is often posted on cocky.org. He's friends with yes. Cocky and, and is, uh, is, is friends with Rich Stevens of Diesel Sweeties. Um, does a drawing a day, does these amazing illustration sort of lettering 
drawings a day. Um, but he, as we used to have a podcast together, and I used to make fun of him to no end because he he takes weekends off. So that was always a source of much uh, of much stuff between us. That like I, you know, I do I do every day, and he takes weekends off. So you know, there's that. You're catching up, in other words, because he started before you, right? And you're... he started before me. I've already passed him. He's only at, <laughs> he started in 2008, and he's only at 1400. So that's those weekends really add up quickly. It it is interesting assembling. You know, it is that that ooze thing is like the different speeds at which you assemble material. And we just passed a year at the magazine, so we've got mm. uh, we're up to issue 30. I think is our next issue that's coming out. We have 150 articles. Uh, I just did. I finished. Uh, after three years of writing regularly for the Economist blog, had three hundred uh, three hundred blog entries, and these wow. numbers start to freak me out a little bit. Yeah, and you're up to, yeah. When you get to past seventeen hundred, I'm like, just the fact, like, how did I do all that? When I did know. I find the time? And and your number becomes, I mean, it is. Uh, we, we were talking about the outset. The, the gimmick part is that before people see what you're doing, it sounds like a gimmick. Then when they see what you're doing, they're like, oh, no, this is work. And this is a lot of work. This is, you know, years worth, literally years worth of work distilled into this form. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just like my my real goal is like just to always keep it interesting. Like no matter – you, if you look at me every day, single day, like you, you literally you do not know what you're going to get. It could be – very very different from day to day but it's always going to be interesting and that's my that's my goal with it you know is just to like always keep it keep it somewhat fresh at least well you have a a kind of new idea that i um uh, we talked about uh before the podcast about um i don't say outreach but you've learned how to do this you've figured out strategy uh you're bringing people into your studio now which i think is interesting what are you doing with folks uh, this is this is kind of a big change, right? Because you work alone most of the time, and, uh, yeah. and you're bringing people in there. What are you, what are you doing with people now? Why are these people coming into your workspace? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I'm I'm sort of incubating this idea a little bit. I I don't know exactly what form it's going to take yet, but it's it's been super fun so far. Which is basically, I found over the course of Song a Day, especially when I give my talk, I find like I have this you know this this talk that I give about Song a Day and about the creative process and all this stuff. And every time I give that talk, musicians will co- especially will come up to me afterwards and say, "God, you know, um, you know, I'm on this label and things take so long, or like I'm working, been working on this album for for three years and I'm just slogging through it. And God, what I wouldn't give to just have some of your energy and like go and just make something and not worry about it and just do it. And so finally, I started to think like, well, what if? What if, like, I could make a space, like, I could fold into Saga Day this space where people who are working on their own things and are sort of getting burnt out by them can come and make a song in a day with me and just have that experience um, of just, like, not thinking for a little while and just making something and mm-hmm. not worrying about it. So I'm calling it – tentatively calling it Song a Day Lab. Um, and right now it just exists as like a Tumblr. It's like songadaylab.tumblr.com. And um, I've done six of them. I posted four of them, and I, I have two more that I that I need to post. And it's just been the most fun thing. Like Songaday can be so um, isolating, obviously. I'm there. I'm either here in my apartment writing a song on my you know ukulele or guitar, or I'm down in my studio just sort of plugging away at it. But to bring to bring other people's input and other people's energy into that and make it a collaboration has been like some of the most fun that I've had 
during song a day bar none um and so it's gotten me really excited this idea that that we that i can you know i definitely get something out of it and they get something out of it and then the 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 ultimate idea i think is to make these songs with these people and then record a short interview directly afterwards where we talk about what you know we talk about what they're working on but also we talk about the process of what we just went through how did we make this song how did it what was the genesis of it how did it come about and then that for that to be a podcast basically it's like the podcast is each week you get two pieces of media you get a song and then you get an interview with me and the collaborator and we talk about the you know talk about how we made the song basically this seems like a really interesting idea because it's you're trying to let people in on the process who want to know about it i mean there's plenty of people who are musicians but just people who like either the group that you're working with or like you and want to say you know what how how does this work so you're giving people entree which is it seems to me the basis of patronage is that people want you to produce more work and they like to know how you produce it i think they want some measure of ownership but they want to feel like they're part of their it. Appeal. Yeah. In, in there. I guess it is ownership in a little bit, but they want they don't want to they don't want to control you, at least good patrons don't. They want to <laughs> <laughs> they want to help you and and feel like they contributed to making it happen. Yeah, absolutely. And and so I'm really really, really excited by the idea and it's you know, it's sort of just it's sort of I have mostly been doing it with friends right now, but the but the response that I've gotten from them and the and the people that have heard it has been super positive. And, you know, I think it might very quickly turn into something that's like friends of friends and then friends of friends of friends. And once that starts happening, you know, who knows? Who knows who's going to come by? And I'm really excited by it. You got to watch out because this could turn into corporate training, too, if you're not careful. You know, the, <laughs> the fish throwing guys in Pike Place Market in Seattle, they do corporate training. They go to corporate events. To do teach they people. really? Yes. It's one of the most – it's actually part of how it's, they survive selling fish. Oh, my gosh. In the day and age. Well, listen, you know, uh, <laughs> listen, like I, I like the idea of bringing creativity into people's lives. So if that's if that's what it takes – there you go. There's your million. Now you can syndicate it, franchise it, and you're exactly. done. Exactly. Done. It's over. Reverse the market. Boom. Yeah. But um, I, I wanted to ask you about uh, talking about, I guess, the the commercial side of things. Is um, is you did you know you said you have songs that are commissioned. Uh, Steve Wozniak's wife commissioned a song for you. That seems like a very sweet <laughs> thing, and it sounds like she was pretty happy with the results too. Yeah, the song came out really well after after the Antennagate thing. Steve Wozniak's wife Janet. Um, wrote to me, just like found my email you know, on my website and wrote to me and asked me for a song for his, I believe it was 60th birthday. It was Waz 6.0 was like their, <laughs> their whole thing. And um, I, 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 I wrote it for him and he, he loved it. And I got to go to his birthday party. Oh, that's awesome. Down in San Jose and meet him. And that was really fun. Um, yeah. So, and, and yeah. And I, I do commissions. I do, I do personal commissions like that. I do, um, you know, uh, business commissions. I just made one from Movado, which is like this watch company. Oh yeah. Like, and, and what I always try to do when I do these commissions is like, I mean, I'm, I have a sort of very specific style that's, that's, that, uh, that's very much my own. And I, it, it's very important to me that, that whatever it is sort of fits in there and that I can make it about that. So, you know, with Movado is like, they're this high end watch company, this high fashion watch company which is like the funniest thing ever that they're coming to me like the least fashionable person ever to like make a song about one of their new products. And so that that's what the song was about that I made. The song was about how silly it was that Movado was asking me the like this fashion schlub 
to like write a song about <laughs> about their new watch or whatever. And I think it came out really well. It's really fun. That's that's pretty neat. But it's um yeah, it's funny because you have a they they want that energy though. That's why they're coming to you is they want the kind of energy that you're able to bring into um, everything that you do. Yeah, and I I really I mean that's like that's huge. I, I just like really appreciate that and 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 love it when those kinds of things happen. And it's it's super fun to do things like that actually. So how do you go about? You know, we're kind of almost saying this at the maybe we should have asked the question at the beginning, but now that it's <laughs> now that we're nearing the end, so how do you go about? Getting enough material to start from. I know there's a lot of stuff that happens in the world, but not all of it fits into what you want to write about or fits into a song, uh, the song form. So, what's your? Are you working with like lists of things weeks in advance? Are you uh, getting up and scanning all the news for contemporary stuff so you get something out that's that's tied in? There's three categories that mm. I've identified that that song a day falls into, and you know, and which category I choose you know, is depends on a whole other number of factors. Like, you know, how much time do I have that day? What else is going on in my life? You know, what can I find to write about? But the three categories basically are topical, which is, you know, anything from, like I said, sort of video games to politics to to technology to, you know, like today's song about laughing squid, like 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 just anything in that realm. Um, personal songs that are just about things that are literally happening in my life. That's like the the breakup song. I did another song where I was looking for a roommate and I wrote a song about looking for a roommate and, you know, and then songs like this weekend, like I made a song about cooking dinner and I made a song about packing. And then, and then the third category is sort of more broad, which is like abstract, which is, which is I end up writing songs that kind of don't really mean anything. And they're sort of more, <laughs> if it, you know, it, um, not that I'm comparing myself to him at all, but like sort of like Dylan-esque in a way that they're just sort of like the meaning is fluid and it's more like it's more like I'm attempting some form of poetry or something than anything else. I'm I'm just writing words that sound nice together or telling some kind of weird story that makes sense, but not really. Um, and so depending on what's going on. And depending on what's happening in my life, those are the three categories that the songs will fall into generally. And you have a – it sounds like so for two of those categories, do you have kind of an ongoing list so that when you don't have a contemporary thing or that you can mix these up so you're not constantly working in one theme? Oftentimes I oftentimes I sort of – as I'm reading um, stuff on, on – uh, actually Feedly now is my RSS reader. Mm. I'll, you know, I'll tag things um, to save for later, things that I, things that I think look – song worthy or that that i might want to write a song about and that's the, that's the only real bit of like preparation that i do i would say by and large you know i wake up each day and sometimes i have an idea of what i'm going to write about and sometimes i don't and when i don't it's often just like well gotta f- let me figure out what i'm gonna write about now you know like it's i don't put a whole lot of forethought into it it's interesting. I mean, that's uh, – God, was it uh, – Stephen King talks about this and I think uh, – is it the legal – Scott Turow maybe? some One of the mm. legal mystery writers talks about just getting up and you sit down and you just write thousands of words. That's just what you yeah. do. Yeah. And I think – and I mean I kind of do that. Blogging was the thing for me and I think for a lot of people who became – I don't want to say like uh, this became prolific. Like I'm, I produce an enormous number of words and it's partly because – I decided I would blog more than a decade ago, maybe 12 years ago. And for a long time, I was spreading stuff on my own blog on a Wi-Fi blog. I I had to do it because it's sort of was my own commitment. I never had as firm a, you know, I'm going to do X a day sort of thing. But once you've got that 
that moth that needs to be fed. <laughs> you yeah, committed yeah, to it. Yeah, it's like it has a takes on a life of its own for sure. Yeah, you don't want to see the date tick away and have nothing new up there because then it's all stale. This is actually the thing that I wonder as we change in the future um, whether the the pressure of the new becomes something. You know, when I had Marion call on a few weeks ago, she said this thing that uh, I'm sure resonates with you too. Is she said uh, she's not just competing against what people could do right now. Yeah. She's competing against all music and entertainment that's ever been produced. And I thought, <laughs> oh my God, I never thought about it that way. <laughs> but at some level, by creating so much work, you're pushing back. It's you're pushing back against the weight of that. You're producing enough stuff that people may find you more readily because you have more work out there too. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely a conscious thing, you know. And I I try not to that's like that that is such a heavy thing to think about. Oh man, and I know. I don't if, want now I heard that I'm like I can't unthink I it. I know. If I you know, and I feel like if I sat down with that if I sat down to make something with that in mind, I'd be so paralyzed. That's like so scary. But you've gotten attention um, before. This I mean attention's a scarce commodity, but sure. you've shown you can get attention, so you know that you can get it again. That's yeah, that's definitely true. And and you know, the way I think about audience too is like, you know, if if a if a certain number of people are willing to listen to you, like a certain number of people are are literally willing to watch me every single day. Yeah. Like there's more people that are that are going to be willing to watch me every single day. Like that's it's there's no way that there's only a set number, you know. So so that's you know that's how I approach it and and um I definitely think that people's attention is more elastic maybe than we than we sort of give it credit for like it's interesting but there's a finite amount of it too is the th- i mean there, the, this is the thing we keep stealing we're stealing time you and i right, right now, now we're yeah. stealing time this away minute. from television yeah. or or broadcast radio we're stealing like every podcast that yeah. every listener or in every song you produce we're taking time away from mass media is my yeah. thing i don't think we're competing among each other as much as we are against things that people all used to watch together it's true. It's true. And I mean, I know I struggle with it to a certain extent. And, I, you know, but you know what? The truth is like your your tastes change and yeah. what what you're interested in changes. And I think that's probably always happened. And so, you know, for me, I, I, I barely can find the time now I to play video games, which is a huge part of my life for a very long time. And I love the experience that video games give me. But I, you know, in the way that we do, like I'm just getting to that point, getting a little bit older where I just don't have the time commitment to give to the games the way that I used to. And so now it's like I'm super, super, super selective. And I don't play <laughs> all the games that I nor- maybe would have. And and yet I listen to – I actually wrote a blog post how I listen to so many podcasts. Yeah. Podcasts are just like in my ears constantly. Any time that I'm not doing something else that requires my full attention – like podcasts are there. It's crazy. It it's funny that have, doing a podcast and doing a magazine. I have so much less time to listen to podcasts yeah. and read. It's driving me <laughs> nuts. By the same thing, it's a cobbler's children uh, metaphor, maybe. But uh, there's so many good, you know, not not to toot podcast horns to people listening to podcasts who already know this, but <laughs> there's a lot it. of great podcasts out there now. My big problem is is trying to find the hours in the week to keep up with more than a handful of them. I have to rotate through. Uh, so, okay, so 1,700 plus, that's a pretty big milestone. But I have to ask, do you have a number in your head? Do you say, uh, 2,500, uh, 3,000, <laughs> 2,000? You know, you'll, you're going to have major life events coming up. Things will change. You might have a big career change. Something might happen out of the blue. How long do you want to keep up the pace? Or is it just, it's a rolling, rolling thing? It's going to go on for as long as it goes on, like uh, Lou Gehrig. 
it's definitely going to go on for as long as it goes on. That's that's always been my my answer, and I've definitely hit times where I've I've said. I mean, pretty recently, I I I was thinking to a certain extent, like, okay, two thousand songs, and I'm going to call it quits. Like that seems like a really good number, um, sort of John Syracuse like, you know, hundred. That's like, <laughs> I'm going to do a hundred, and that's that's a good round number. But like, but then you know, then then things happen. You know, then I came up with this song a day labs idea, and I'm like, you know what? Maybe this is the thing that sort of that sort of takes it into the next realm, and I can just keep going with it, and it'll be something. And, you know, it'll be something different. So. For the foreseeable future, it will keep going, and um, I'll just as long as I as long as I can keep it up, basically. You know what the the most peculiar thing about your project is is that you do not seem like an obsessive compulsive person. That's the <laughs> best part of it is that it you don't do this because you have to, and there's no other thing. This is a choice you make, and yeah. every song you make is another choice you've made to keep doing it. Definitely, I am not obsessive compulsive at all. Um, if you look at my apartment, you would see that. But like. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it 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 very much is that. That's a, I never thought about that way. That's a very good way of putting it. It's like it's not, it's not. Um, I have a fan that comments the same thing every single day. He says he for the last oh, for the last like over a thousand songs, he has posted every single day without fail. This song is great. They should play it on the radio. Oh my god! He leaves his comment every single day. It's and, an art and project. I, it is. It's it's, it's 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 own separate little art project. Um, but he he's also known on the internet for counting to a hundred thousand. He he posted seven YouTube videos of himself counting to a hundred thousand. Good um, gravy! And so he's I think he has a little OCD in him, and that's like a sort of different thing. But 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 yeah, I <laughs> I that that's not that's not um, that's not where this is coming from at all for me. But that's good. I mean, I think that's the thing is, and not to and there there are a lot of great things about being obsessive about. Areas, but being compelled is, I think, the is the fight that you fight against is is feeling like you can always have a choice. It's not something you do without volition. Well, it's like happiness. I I, yeah. I, I figured early on that like that when I'm creating things and when I'm making and when when at the end of the day I have made something that there's just like a satisfaction that comes from that that I don't get anywhere else. And that's you know that's that's what keeps me going. It's just like that I really enjoy that feeling of having of making and having made basically. That is pretty lovely. Yeah, and and every day you get that feeling again. <laughs> exactly, and and that's that's the that's the whole thing. That's, the whole that's thing. great, Jonathan. Thank you for sharing the story of of where you came from and where you're going. Appreciate having you on the podcast. Thanks, Glenn. I, I'm so excited to be on here. I listen every week. You can now support the production of this podcast directly by becoming a patron at Patreon.com. That's P A T. R-E-O-N dot com. Support us at a level of $1 or more per podcast. At higher levels of support, you get our on-air thanks and more. We'll be adding more patronage benefits over time. You can also sponsor this show. Visit podlexing.com, that's P-O-D-L-E-X-I-N-G, for more details about how to get your product or service in front of the attractive and clever listeners of The New Disruptors. Our theme music is by Jeff Tolbert, who you'll find at jefftolbert.com, and our audio engineer is Michael Warner. Our podcast audio is hosted by SoundCloud. 
We are a production of The Magazine, an electronic periodical for curious people with a technical bent. Find out more and read free articles at v-magazine.org. We're also a happy part of the Boing Boing family of podcasts. This podcast is licensed under the Creative Commons by NCND 3.0 license. Feel free to distribute it intact and with attribution to us by linking back to our site. We only ask you don't offer it for sale. I'm your host, Glenn Fleischman. Please join us again next time. Thanks for listening.